Hey guys, Wes here. And when you hear this music, you know what time it is. It's commercial time on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. What are we here to talk to you about this week? Again, Dancing with the Knoxville Stars. If you missed it last week, shame on you and your entire family. However, this is your chance to redeem yourself because there are still tickets available. Dancing with the Knoxville Stars, Saturday, April 14th at the Knoxville Convention Center. Dinner starts at 6. The show starts at 7. And what is Dancing with the Knoxville Stars, guys? It is eight of us local so-called celebrities. Still funny to hear that word. We will be partnered up with professionals. We will be going through our routines. It's going to be fun. They're going to be judged. You can fundraise. Uh, There's a fundraise competition and a dancing competition. It's myself. It's Leslie Ackerson from WBIR, Tyrone from Star 102.1, Heather Haley from WVLT, Laura Helm from WATE, former former professional cheerleader Lisa Henderson, local sports reporter, and uh, y'all remember her from her work with UT uh, and also WVLT, Sarah Mitchell will be there. Dr. Amit Patel from Children's Hospital will be there. Also, Sylvia Peters, a local art patron and philanthropist. Each of us are paired with a professional dancer. We've been going through our routines, practice for a couple hours this morning, and I got to tell you, I'm pretty sore because I'm pretty terrible at this. Patrick's sitting over there not even paying attention. That's good. That's what we're supposed to do for this ad. $75 for a ticket, guys. $400 for a VIP table. That's four tickets with complimentary champagne. Or you can just go donate a couple bucks. If you're like, hey, Wes, I want to give you a couple bucks to dance, but I can't be there, or I, I just don't want to give that much money, just a couple bucks will help, guys. All of this goes to East Tennessee Children's Hospital. Great cause. It's very near and dear to me. My mom used to work there, so please help us out. ETCH.com slash DWTKS. Once again, ETCH.com slash DWTKS. One more time, ETCH.com slash DWTKS. Come help the children, guys. There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. One step in the end zone, it's tipped up. It's caught! It is caught! Jawan Jennings! Jawan Jennings! Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. March Madness time? Almost spring football time. Spring forward on the clock time. That's not a good time to do that over the weekend when you got to drive back from St. Louis, Missouri at about 4 o'clock in the morning time. Whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon, probably dropping it on a Wednesday morning. And why are we recording it on a Tuesday? Because uh, Ramey and I, Grant Ramey, have to go to Dallas on Wednesday because the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee in its infinite stupidity put Tennessee in Dallas when Nashville's right there. Guys, it's three hours away. Court Derek Dooley. Guys, it, guys, what are we doing? Is St. Louis technically part of the South? No. It was nice of the home state team, Missouri, to go one and done. 
felt so bad for Conzo Martin. That was like Missouri's present. It's like, thanks for coming to the league, guys. Yeah, here you get this tournament. And then Michael Porter Jr.'s coming back. Uh-oh. Whoa. Ticket Whoa. sales. Everything looking pretty good. And 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 then it uh, did not go so well. Conzo Martin went the uh, Bruce Pearl route in the SEC tournament. One and done. And yet they were the only SEC team that was sent to Nashville for the NCAA tournament. You know what Kentucky's uh, reward for winning that tournament? Boise. DeAndre Ayton in the second round. If you get past Davidson, who shoots threes a lot. Yeah, that was... Good luck with that. Good luck with those kids in their first NCAA tournament game playing, having to be on on point defensively with those guys. Yeah, because Davidson, man, when that when that offense gets going, I mean, there's no Steph Curry there right now, but, man, when that offense gets going... They have some guy that some people are like, yeah, he could be Steph Curry 2.0. He's like a freshman or something. I don't know. When Steph Curry was a freshman, I covered him. He was, looked like he was 10 years old. Speaking of Steph Curry, I think the Warriors canceled practice on Tuesday because they were out partying the night before for Steph's 30th birthday. I think that's a true story. That's boss status right there. NBA action. It's fantastic. That's awesome. Meanwhile, um, at the other end of the NBA, the Grizzlies have lost 18 in a row. I love that. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, uh, they're, 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 they are, hey, they, if they have a tanking. chance, if they have a chance to pay DeAndre Ayton a lot more than $100,000, then hey, go do it. Yeah, they're they're not going to get him for a hundred thousand dollars. I can tell you that much. It's pretty much. It looks like a little bit of a two team race right now between the Grizzlies and the Suns. So the, the Grizzlies lost eighteen games in a row, and I think like the gap between. I think they're pretty much level with the Suns, and they're only like two games ahead of some of the other bad teams. So that's how that's how that's how tough it is to tank in this NBA. Wow, it's almost record setting because my uh, my brother was actually at the game on monday night he has uh accepted a job and he's he's not in this business because he's smarter than me uh in the logistics world he's heading over to memphis so now i will have a sibling in pretty much all of the major uh, cities in tennessee so this will pretty much just be our state that's where we are we are in uh we are team rucker is now in knoxville nashville and memphis and obviously chattanooga still belongs to me since i lived there for a few years and worked there for for eight or so years um, and the Tri Cities, I'm not really concerned about that. We will let Ramey hold that down. <laughs> I spent enough time with Ramey during basketball season that it's almost like a sibling now. Do you know this? This is a true story. Before we move on to football, I've got to tell this story. My so, wife is from Johnson City, so I have a connection. I'm, yes, I'm pseudo Tri Cities too. We're basically it's 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 team 24 seven. We're taking over the I, state. I it's have, our state. It's our world. I, I am partial to. East Tennessee, a.k.a. Knoxville and the Tri-Cities, and Memphis. But Middle Tennessee. That's what my, my sisters are holding down the fort in Middle Tennessee. Can go away. She, she's holding down the fort there. But I got to tell you this story. So we th- that SEC tournament was at Scott Trade Center, which is where the St. Louis Blues play. And, and so, first off, it's like 10 degrees in there because they just put the stuff on top of the ice. And uh, one of the guys, after the tournament was over, uh, Ramey and I were the only two sitting there working still on, on the press row. Most people had gone into the into the uh, kind of the innards of the stadium, sort of the media center to work. But since uh, Ramey's like my dad in, in that wherever there's a big group of people, he's going to go in the opposite direction. Uh, so that that's how much uh, – I, I tell you, I say I hate people. I think he really does truly hate communicating with humans. It's actually kind of fun. And so he and I were on different rows so we could space out a little bit, have more room to work. And one of the crew guys – um, the uh, you'd call them grounds crew if it were, you know, football, but their their arena personnel came over and asked a question, and I didn't know that Ramey was answering the question because he talked so quietly. So we were both answering the question at the same time, and we were apparently saying the exact same thing. And it's like that's when you know 
that it's the end of basketball season and you have spent entirely too much time in a confined area with one person. We were saying like the same exact thing at the same exact time. And y'all get to spend a little bit more time together. Yeah, we're heading down to uh, heading down to the Big D. And then probably to Atlanta because Tennessee got a pretty sweet draw. It did. Tennessee did not get Nashville, but Tennessee did get a pretty pretty sweet draw, and we'll have plenty on that. We might try to record a podcast with the the uh, the travel pod equipment while we're down there. If I can haul that down there and get that done, no promises, uh, but hopefully uh, we can do something because this is obviously a time where basketball is a a big deal to pretty much everyone, even the people who are kind of like they're huge hardcore football fans. And then, like, they become basketball fans right when postseason starts. This is, like, the time where basketball uh, really moves the needle, not just at places like Kentucky where it always does and Tennessee where it sometimes it does, but, but like, everybody's got that. Everybody's filling out the brackets. Tennessee's in it, so people here are more engaged. It's, uh, it's nice. And it's probably a little bit different for Tennessee fans because the football program is just a crap show. Yeah. And now, that's not to say the basketball program hasn't been without its drama because it has, but it's – I mean, not since the, not since Reverend Barnes got there. Not, I mean, this, yeah, but I mean, there was all the you know rebuilding, uh, yeah. rebuilding, golden parachute, all that stuff, and then they yeah, got how's that win, working out now? Then they got win the SEC, and you know, it's an actual championship. It's not a life championship. Um, the championship top, of basketball. You know, they they are saying leading up to win, you know clinching the uh, a share of it that yeah we this was one of our goals like you know that's a long way from saying whoa we never talked about the East. Yeah, and, uh, and congrats to those guys because I, I never I, – in a million years, I never – I mean, I, I told everybody who would listen that they would not finish 13th in the SEC and that that was a really, really stupid prediction. But I did not think – I thought top five in the league. I, I did not think – I thought if all things went perfectly, they could get a double bye. But uh, they were even better – they were one year ahead of schedule, basically, because this whole team, like 90-plus percent of everything, comes back next season. So this this is going to be a – uh, regardless of what happens this month, and it should be a fun month, but regardless, man, that team's going to be really, really good for the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think Tennessee fans have, have embraced this team. First of all, it's a really likable team. you got a lot of likable players. And oh, then, tons. Uh, Not a single turd in the bunch, really, to, and, be, to be truthful. And, and even the casual Tennessee football fan can get into basketball when you beat Kentucky twice in a year. Let's be honest. That's, that's, a, that's the measuring stick. That's what, get, you know, that's what gets people fired up. And so, you've got two linebackers in your starting lineup too, basically, in Williams and Schofield. So sure, and I, I really, I, you know, I really think just what happened this past year with the football program and all the drama, and we're really even going back to 2016 with the football program. That's why it's been so refreshing for a lot of Tennessee fans. And uh, speaking of refreshing, that's my segue here. Uh, refreshing. Jeremy Pruitt is a this is, this is, is the, a refreshing. You know what this means? It means we're about to get into it, guys. This means that we're we're going to follow the sh- the schedule now. Jeremy Pruitt is a refreshing is refreshing in terms of being an actual human being that will talk to you, yeah, and like give actual answers as opposed to rehearsed. Yeah, because when we were non answers. Yeah, when Ramey and I were in uh, were were traveling to St. Louis, you actually got to spend some time with uh, good old good old Coach Skull himself. And uh, what, what is it? I just for some reason I just when I look at him on a while I go yeah Skull man or or maybe Copenhagen I don't know but just to, he, I get that whole like traditional football coach vibe from him all the time and just kind of oh, old school uh, and t- what you see is what you get. Oh, he's a ball coach. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't, you know, he don't want to talk to us. <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with some of the kissing babies and shaking hands and all that stuff. He's now, you know, he's going to have to uh, when you're a head coach at a program like this. But also so. Phil Fulmer can do that kind of like Mal kind of like Mal Moore did it for for Saban True. at the beginning. But I mean Pruitt is saying, you know, he's he's ready to go coach his team. That's what that's what he wants to do. That's what he Kind of feels like he was born to do, and so that's what uh, they're starting spring this week. And 
um, talking to him last week, you know, a lot of coaches, Wes, you've, you've covered more coaches than I have. I'm old. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I'm saying it. I'm old. They sort of, you can always kind of sort of tell they're a little bit different when the recorder is on and when the recorder is off. Yes. When you're talking off the record, you're just shooting the breeze. A lot of times you can definitely tell when they're looser mm-hmm. and they're talking more normally. Well, Pruitt kind of is what he is. I didn't really get a sense that he was changing himself drastically. He's, now, not, he's not putting up a wall or anything. No, and he, you know, his answers weren't lengthy answers, but to, to when the, you know when the recorder when the quarter is on, he's not given novel answers, but he's given. He's just taught, he's being himself. He's giving. He's which give, is he's giving you what you need, which is refreshing, and compared to what you and I and and. And we have covered over the last. Yeah, because you know what the people and, and I, I think I've, he's I've not co- Derek Dooley. No, I mean, I, he's not that eloquent. Yeah, I mean, I, I but think he's he's a Southern football coach. When, when you put our staff together, you've got pretty much. We actually we do have every geographical region basically in the state covered because you're from Memphis, Ryan's from Middle Tennessee, uh, Grant's from up in Upper Tri Cities, up in the Upper East Tennessee. I believe and, he would want you to say he's from Kingsport. From Kingsport, Tennessee which is, in his mind, the king of the Tri-Cities, but that's just his opinion. Uh, and I am from Knoxville and spent uh, a decade or almost a decade working for a paper in Chattanooga and lived down there in Chattanooga for three years. So between all of us, we've got pretty much this entire state covered in terms of knowing people and what they're like. And you know what the people, the Tennessee fan base wants and respects hard work and honesty. And I'm not saying that if you go out there and you're terrible – but you're honest about it, that it, that's going to be okay ultimately. But it buys you some goodwill to just walk, talk, act, and sound like the fan base in, in terms of what kind of person you are. You're, you're straightforward. You're honest. If something wasn't good enough, you look somebody straight in the eye and you say, that wasn't good enough, and it starts with me. Th- these people like to hear that, and they just never really got that with Butch Jones. And, and as soon as the, the program started taking a step back, it just fell apart because his personality and trying to sit there and say everything was great all the time when we all knew it wasn't, that's not ever going to fly around here. And I think Pruitt is it's, – it's, it's got some of that dually in him and that he'll just be honest with you, but he does it with – I don't know. It just seems like a little more – I don't know if it's seriousness or – I don't know what the right word is, but he's just going to be honest, I think, for the most part. He's going to protect his guys, but he's going to tell you – yeah, we sucked, and that was my fault. It starts with me. He won't make excuses. Uh, I just I don't get the sense that he's that kind of guy. Yeah, and um, he he was not happy with how they finished this recruiting class. And he and, and he said that. And he yeah he said that. I mean you could and you could tell during his signing day press conference that you could tell that he was not thrilled to talk about it. Yep. But um, yeah, and, and like you mentioned, all coaches are going to uh, protect their programs their players, their coaches, if they think anything is being done to give someone else an advantage or to put them at a disadvantage, even if it's perceived and not real, then they're going to, in terms of dealing with it, they're going to make that known. Yeah, competitive, that's natural. C- competitive advantage stuff. You're being dodgy about injuries. You're doing that kind of th- – that, that has a direct correlation to your success on the field and your execution of what you're trying to do. I think all of us understand that. It, it, it's being honest about where things are – where things need to go, and what the performance was. Yeah, and I think for, for Pruitt and this staff, I think they're, they're still very in the early stages of getting to know what they have on this roster. I think they, you, you've clearly 
from recruiting and from some of the graduate transfers that they have gotten, and uh, I don't think they're, they're necessarily done there. Um, they think that there are holes in this roster. They, you know, in some of these position switches that they've done, they think that there are some uh, spots on this roster that need help. But I don't, I don't get the impression that they think it's a dire situation where if we win two SEC games next year, that'll be a success. I think they've got, they think they've got some pieces on this team that can be good. Um, I think they got to be really concerned about the O line, though. Yeah, and, and that, that's true. But um, I, I think that, yeah, it's it's going to be a departure from what Pruitt was with at Alabama. Obviously, the talent level is nowhere near that. But I don't think it's terrible. It's yeah. not great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, nominally, we're we're here. Uh, we're going to finish this thing in a little bit with uh, talk about spring preview for the defensive side of the ball. We did the offense last week. But, again, if, if you missed last week's episode, uh, shame on you and your entire family. But if you did miss last week's episode, we're, you know, we used to do the, uh, the whole entree first and then some, some side dishes afterward. We're not going to go kind of appetizer, appetizer, and then get to the entree at the end. I think that's a better format. So there's a lot of stuff from Pruitt in the past week that I do think we need to get to first. Uh, Patrick, you mentioned it straight off the bat. Um, you know, the position changes. There's going to be some guys in some different spots maybe, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the big news everybody wants to talk about is Juwan Jennings is back, kind of. Kind of. Uh, I The way that, that Pruitt explained it was that he's part of the team. He's, he can work out with the guys. He can be in the complex with them, yada, yada. Uh, and he said straight up that if Jennings was healthy – he would be practicing at the start of spring, which is, I mean, if you're practicing with the team, you're, you're on the team. Um, so I, he didn't get into, you know, reinstated and all that stuff, and it made it sound like if at any point Juwan slips up, that might be, that might be it. Um, but it, it sounds like he's back. sounds like he's part of the team. sounds like, if he, again, if he was healthy, he'd be practicing, which uh, that was the most official update we've gotten in a few weeks on him. Yeah, and, and it's actually funny because I, I, I didn't – want to mention it at the time because I wanted to make sure I had everything uh, where, where it needed to be in terms of making sure that, that, that it was accurate and everything was, was cleared and all that. But I actually saw Juwan Jennings not long ago. Some, t- some TMZ stuff out there. Right? Yeah, it was. It, I used to call it TMZ 24-7. Uh, it was the, uh, the opening night for Black Panther and <laughs> pulled up in the parking lot and I was like, oh, hey, there's Juwan's car. And uh, he was getting out of the car at the same time I was. And, oh, look at that. He's on crutches and a boot. What happened now? So uh, I didn't really want to break the news that way. That seems like a little bit, I don't know. You know Why what I mean? Why don't you just ask him what was up? I don't know. It just seems like, I don't like doing that stuff. Because like when I'm away and not working. I don't care what you're doing as a, as a college player. Not not that. It, it, it's that I, I like to, especially when I'm going to a movie and stuff, I'm with the fiance. You know, she's patient, but we all work a lot. And when we can actually get away for a minute, I mean, I'm sure your wife's the same way. They actually want you to be away and, and not be focusing totally on work all the time because it's not healthy. And so I was trying to give some space there because I figured he was doing the same thing. So I didn't really bug him about it, but just kind of looked at him. I was like, yeah, all right. He was like, yeah, I'm all right. But that that was the extent of it. And, and so he had a minor – is that what they're calling it, a minor he procedure? Had a, he had his knee scoped. Um, I'm not sure it's the same knee that he hurt uh, going into his sophomore season. Remember, he yep. had surgery right after um, – spring practice and he was a little bit limited to start spring going into the sophomore year when he had his his big year and they were having to tell him like hey like you gotta chill out for a second he was going 110 percent and and on every rep in practice and they were having to tell him like hey you gotta you gotta pull back a little bit here you're gonna and, and so 
I don't know if it's the same knee as that, but um, the way the Pruitt worded it was is that he still has a list of things he has to do, and, and he's he knows what they are. We're not, we're not going to get any sort of divulgences on what those are. Um, I, did I just make up that word, divulgences? I, I mean, it sounds good. I, I think it's one of those <laughs> ones that people get the idea. And, he's, uh, and, and Pruitt said that Jennings is in the process of doing those things, and he, the way he put it was it's kind of hard not to do them if you're not part of the team. So I wonder how much of these things he's having to do to sort of be a good teammate and to sort of get back in the good graces of some of the players that he more or less deserted last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's the, there's work to be done there, but uh, it, the the big picture there, 30,000 feet up looking down picture, is that I, I think things are trending upward in that direction. You know, they're going to get his knee healthy, but beyond that, he is back. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's going – you know, and that we we've mentioned this before, but there were you know there's anger management classes, there's certain things academically and, and otherwise that he has to do, and he's doing those things. So uh, as the Brits would say, bully to him. He's he's he's, he's doing a good job. It's a long way between now and August, though. It is, a but long hey, way to go. but hey, you 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 can still say, let's not get too optimistic yet. But things are trending in a better direction, and that's the sense that I've gotten is that if if Jawan ultimately gets back and is playing the season, he will have earned. Yeah. We'll have earned it. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, he'll be joined by a uh, – uh, Tennessee was talking about, you know, a couple position changes there have opened up uh, another spot at running back, and Tennessee did not take long to fill that. Uh, Madre London from Michigan State, a guy who's gotten nearly 1,000 rushing yards there but kind of backed up a little bit on the depth situation right now, wants a fresh start for his final season of college football, and he's going to spend that where, Patrick? At the University of Tennessee. Yeah, uh, it was funny. Uh, Ryan, who's not he's he's off this week. He actually posted a story and, and talked to and London. Thank God he is. <laughs> he, he talked to London on Sunday and posted a story, and within like within an hour, London London had posted on Twitter that he committed to Tennessee. So I guess that moved pretty quickly. If he trolled Ryan, that's I, I love the kid already. Uh, um, and so, yeah, a guy that that played the past three years at, at Michigan State had some had some good games. Um, trying to look up his numbers here he played at where did he go he played at st thomas aquinas in florida so that's a good start yeah it is a good start uh, if you're going to be recruiting there so they've got kids and connections now to there and uh img i guess they've got yeah you know I hope- that was uh that was him talking for a second i guess they've got um three kids now from st thomas aquinas because bennett and then josh palmer too right yeah so, i believe so that's not a good place that's not a bad place to start getting some guys but uh, yeah, I think he's he's six foot one, two hundred eighteen pounds. So I think he's a little bit bigger, uh, kind of the bigger running back that Tennessee and this new staff are going to be looking for more in the future. Um, and I think part of the, I, I think this was sort of hinted at when Carlin feels me was is moving to defense. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I think when when that move was made and based I'm, on, and I'm surprised they pulled the trigger. On that. On, they had to know they were getting London when they did that. Yeah, and I think I think these those two moves are probably connected. So. Um, it bolsters your backfield. I don't think I don't think London. If he comes in and runs for twelve hundred yards, I think you'd be. I think you'd be. You'd be pretty. You'd be pretty pumped about well, that. Yeah, but, I mean, and, and this but he's a, he's a guy that's going to improve your depth because uh, if you take Phil's and me out of the equation, you've got what three sophomores and yeah. Ty Chandler. Now Ty, Ty Chandler, I think, would be pretty good. Tim Jordan, uh, Trey Coleman, and then Jeremy Banks, the freshman from Memphis. Uh, and so you needed a guy, you needed an older guy, a guy that's that's been through the rigors uh, of a Big Ten season. He had some nice games. He played well against Michigan when they won up there last year. Yeah, had the game-winning touchdown catch in that uh, game. Yeah, had a, had a touchdown catch there. Uh, back in 2015, he had 103 yards against Oregon 
again, a big game they won. Yeah, he, so. st- he started eight games during during his time there. And, and Michigan State did not want to lose him because yeah. he decided that he wanted to leave because L.J. Scott was thinking about going to the NFL, and he decided to come back for his senior season. And at that point, you know, you're looking at London sitting around going, well, I kind of wanted L.J. Scott to go pro. He's my boy, but I wanted him to go so I could, I could be the starter. And now since he can't be the starter at Michigan State and he doesn't want to get those number two reps again, he – he wants to come back closer to home, and he wants to play uh, in the SEC, and he, he's got a great opportunity here. Tennessee is needs bodies there, needs help, and this is a guy who might not – I don't think he's just a body. I think he's a pretty decent football player. Yeah, he, like I said, I think he's a bigger back. I don't think he is going – if he gets to the second level, I don't think he's going to juke a bunch of guys and, and outrun everybody. I don't think he's the most explosive in that sense, but I think he's a physical runner that can uh, downhill, get it between the tackles. I think he uh, – did have a ton of catches his career. I think he had maybe only like 13 in his three years. But, again, a guy that you can use out of the backfield. And, um, again, if he if he was your number one and you didn't have any good options around him, I think you might be in some trouble. But if he's a guy that you say you pair with, yep. Ty Chandler or a couple other guys. Get get a little thunder and lightning what, thing. That's yeah. what you – yeah, that I think that's a good situation. And, uh, clearly, if this happened as quickly as it did, then – I, I think it was something that both sides were interested in. And a lot of people wonder, you know, why don't they go get a graduate transfer corner? Or, you know, why can't they go get a graduate transfer offensive lineman? They did try to go get a, a – they, they kicked the tires on uh, – I think his name's Calvin Anderson at Rice. Yes. Uh, back in – I think it was December or January. And uh, Will Friend went and visited him briefly. Yeah, they've had an APB out and for, so for, they, uh, for they, O-line help. And so, yeah, they're, they're not going to – you know, they're going to they're, – they're in the market for those guys. Um, but none of those – have, have gone anywhere. I don't think Anderson really gave Tennessee much of a look. I think he wound up committing to Texas, I think, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. I think his – I think his three of his final four, I think Texas, Oklahoma, and Auburn, I think. So, again, but, you know, I, I don't think – I wouldn't – I'm not going to guarantee that they're not done with grad transfers, but if they add another one, I would not be surprised at all. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised either, but I think it might be a guy who transfers somewhere after spring practice. Maybe he could be, yes. Maybe there's a guy who's thinking of, there's probably guys all over the country, including at Tennessee, probably, who want to see how things go with the coaching staff in the spring and they want to see where they stand after that. And, and if they feel good about it, they'll stay. And if not, you know, they, they have the power now. If they're a grad transfer, they can, they can leave without penalty. And so I, I, I don't mind the rule at all. I think it's an incentive for guys to graduate. And, in this situation, I, th- I think this is something that helps out Tennessee a lot. This is something that they need bodies. This is not a guy you're going to turn down. He's not a walk-on. He's a, he's a good football player, and he's a guy who's going to to give you some big help. The question is, though, Patrick, who he'll be uh, running behind because Tennessee has definitely got some O-line injuries. We've talked uh, at length about some of that, but there are some some fresh nuggets, I think, from the past week. Yes, uh, let me pull that up. First of all, uh, Trey Smith is going to miss all of spring practice. I think that was pretty much – yeah, that no. was that uh, we've we've basically known that even though we couldn't 100% say uh, but it. But what's interesting is that, that Pruitt said that the other, earlier or last week that, that Trey was actually working out. So it's not like a situation where he can't do anything I guess physical. Uh Pruitt would not go into any detail. He wouldn't say about his about Trey's status for the fall. Uh I don't think that that's been determined yet. It may not be determined pending further testing. Yes. On his situation. so I think it's still in a holding pattern is the way to, to put it. I know offensive linemen don't like the word holding, but it's a holding pattern that he's <laughs> in right now. Uh, we'll start with the two younger guys. Karen Calvert is going to be limited this spring. Um, he had knee surgery back in August to kind of clean up some stuff that he had when he got here. Yeah, at least they can get him out there a little bit. That's yeah. a start. Uh, big tackle from, I think, McMinnville. Mm-hmm. Um, big old boy. Link. 
mid eastern Tennessee. Yeah, big old boy, good athlete. Uh, yeah, big big guy. Uh, talk about the staff really wants to get bigger bodies. He's a big body, so um, we'll see how much he can do in the spring. Uh, Nathan Niehaus has been. A, 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 I guess we were all in the impression that he was a question mark, but it looks like he's been working out and should be good to go. Pruitt was not aware of any injury that he had, even though he missed all of last season. Uh, Chance Hall finally underwent knee surgery. Um, and Finally. Uh, and a lot of people are wondering why it took this long, because it was back in August he was seeking second and third opinions and meeting with specialists and things like that. The type of surgery he had, I'm not going to get into the details of it, but uh, it's a very unique surgery. Uh, to kind of deal with some knee cartilage, and he, that's why he had to wait. I know that's very vague. I know there's, there's more. There's, there's more to the situation I know, but I'm not getting into it. Um, so, well, the bottom line is, what, what, what's the, what's the? Pruitt did not rule him out being back for this season. I yeah. think that's a little optimistic. Um, but they just need not, to get him healthy at some point because if he can keep playing football. He's a good football player. Yeah, and he, you know, he, ever since his freshman season, I think he's only played six games, missed all of last season. Uh, he's going to be out a few months. I don't. I think it's optimistic to say to expect him to be back in the mix in the fall, but at least it's not. At least they're not coming out and saying he's done playing football at this point. So that's a positive. Uh, who else is that? Everybody. So that that's all roughly. I mean, that's all. Let's not say completely optimistic, but that's some cautious, op- some reason for cop- cautious optimism there. If I can get that word out of my mouth, did cautious I get a, optimism. Did I give everybody Calvert and House Hall? Uh, yeah, and the thing with Trey is, um, yeah, it's, it's just going to be one of those things where they just have to wait and see more testing. Yeah, because it, it's a it's a potentially serious issue, and not, not for his quality of life. I don't think necessarily, but uh, yeah. if, he's, if he keeps playing football. They're going to have to make sure he can keep doing that. So that's probably as much detail as we are willing to divulge there. Uh, but there are some other things. Uh, everybody wants to know what's the quarterback situation now because uh, the uh, addition of, of young Keller Chris, and I he should is, say young, old Keller Chris. And he is signed. He is signed financial aid, so the financial aid, financial aid agreement. So that's why Pruitt was able to talk about him. Yeah, and, and, he, and he said, hey, this guy comes in and, and helps and he gets a shot, right? Yeah, he, this was, I think, one of his most refreshing answers. Um, and I'm going to read the full quote from him about the quarterback situation, about sort of him and Garantano. Uh, this is Pruitt's quote. Will you read it in his accent? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, I know one thing. You can't win in this league without a quarterback. I've been bru- as, bu- as brutally honest as I can. I don't know what we have at any position. I played against some of the guys from preparing on the offensive side. We've got to make sure that we do have a quarterback. And I told Keller that the only thing I know about J.G., that's Jerry Garantano, is that he's got arm talent, he can run, and he's tough as nails because we beat him up pretty good last year. Will McBride, I'm not as familiar with him because we didn't play against him, you know? So when you look at it from that standpoint, you really don't know what you have either way. There's probably other guys that would have liked to have came here, but I would not tell them they be the starting quarterback. That will be determined by the guys on the field. Keller was excited about just the chance to compete. That's all he wanted. There Let's you go. go. That is a good quote. It would have been better if you'd read it in his accent. But, I know. But, it, but it's, uh, it, it's a good quote, and it's refreshing. I mean, and, I could play it. And, I don't and, have my recorder with me. So you lied right there. Um, that's okay. <laughs> you, you misremembered where the, the location of your Yeah, but I mean, I think, it, I, I think it's interesting that his first impression of, of Jared Garantano is, <laughs> I beat the crap out of My defense beat the crap out of that guy back in Tuscaloosa in October. And that he's, was not, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong at all. And uh, He had some other good things to say about Garantano, about how he's – he likes how he's kind of carried himself. 
Uh, Garantano tweeted the other day that I think he's put on like 20 pounds. So I'm interested to yeah, see how he looks. Yeah, it's like 17, 20 pounds, basically. I think he's. Uh, I think it's gonna be interesting to see if he's bigger and, and now you know able to be more durable. And I think he, he's Cam Newton. That's what you're saying. Uh, and that's not what I'm saying. Uh, it's Garantano. I think is he's on watch now because if I'm if and I kind of knowing a little bit about him, he's viewed himself as the starter since basically since he became yes. the guy against South Carolina, mm-hmm. and so he's been going about that. Um, I'm sure ever since then, and especially since the end of the season. And so now they're bringing in this other guy. And I'm, I'm saying, like, hold on, you're bringing in a guy to replace me? Hold on a second. And so I'm interested to see how he responds and uh, what he shows this staff. I think he's a guy that's obviously got to have a good spring. But um, and, and Pruitt didn't want to get you – know, he didn't want to get into is, is Chris a better fit because he's a, a quote-unquote pro style and all that stuff. And I don't, know, I don't know that I buy that. I think they both have enough arm – arm ability and again garantano's not dobbs he doesn't run like dobbs does no he does not Um, he's not he's not a michael vick cam newton type i mean he he can stand back there in the pocket and he he can run when he needs to and he's a good athlete but he is a thrower yeah and don't misunderstand he is a thrower yeah and that's what you know that's what he's going to make his hay on if he and if he's going to win this job it's going to be because of what he does this offseason not because of what he did Last season, I know a lot of fans say, well, he didn't show anything last year, and he wasn't that impressive, yada, yada, yada. He held neither, the ball, neither did Jonathan Crompton. held the ball too long, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is true, but I don't think it's going to impact what this quarterback competition. I think it's pretty much started from scratch, clean slate. You're bringing in two guys. You're bringing in Chris because uh, he gives you a little bit more insurance in terms of depth because now you've got two guys. I mean, Garantano started half a season. Chris has started, I think, 13 games at Stanford. So you've got a guy, you've got a couple of guys with a little bit more experience and a little bit more talent, a couple of former four-star kids that you can work with, and yep. so um, that's that's what I think. I think that's a situation that, and Pruitt said it. You know, hey, you got to have a quarterback to win in this league, and so um, I don't think they know a ton about their you know, about the quarterback situation really in any other spot on the roster, but clearly they thought enough of it that they needed to bolster it, and maybe that's because they only had three scholarship guys. They brought in a couple former you know preferred walk-ons that are going to be in there too, so. And Shroud will be there in the summer. And Shroud will be in there in the summer, too. So There are some options there. And also, here, it was interesting to me, was we teased us a little bit earlier with some of these position changes. And I think you can look at all of these on the surface and say that they make sense, but they're still bold moves. I you mean, still, some you, of these are just kind of, well, still, okay, well, you're trying it. You're still you're still upset about Carlin Fields and me. He's your guy. I just I I I've always thought and still do that that he has potential at running back if if given the an opportunity. But if he can help him out of a position where they desperately need help elsewhere, then he's the kind of guy who would do that for the team. Well, let's get to him in a second. First change, probably probably the one that we maybe should have seen coming but didn't was uh, Jaquane Blakely mm-hmm. uh, is going to play. He was been at defensive end. He's going to be at tight end now. Prude said all these these position changes are sort of temporary. They're going to go through about a week of practice maybe two, see how it's going, and then go from there. And maybe reevaluate, reassess. Because I have no on. idea whether Blakely can catch the ball or not. I have no clue. No. That wouldn't be his primary job at that position, but no, it, it would be interesting to see if he could. Uh, he's a guy – will have he, he should have a little bit of a background to Blakely because Blakely played for Rush Probst at Colquitt County. And Rush and Pruitt are obviously close from because Rush was with him yep. at Hoover. So um, Hoover High School. Uh, yeah, Blakely has been a D end outside linebacker. He would be a a DE out, outside linebacker hybrid in this defense. A jack or something. Yeah, um, his main thing he did last year was he was the uh, one of the personal protectors on the punt team. So he was one of the three guy three guys on the shield. 
think he played nine games. And Tennessee did not have a pump block, so he can, he can do that job pretty well. Uh, yeah, but he's 6'2", 254, another big body. Again, Tennessee does not have, other than Latrell Bumpus, any big bodies at, at tight end. Yeah, they've had kind of flex wide receiver type tight yeah, ends. Yeah, exactly. They've, they've, the previous staff seemed more intent on taking high school wide receivers that they felt could add enough, had a big enough frames to add enough weight to get to tight ends. They did the kind of stuff that you would do at a place like, you know, um, <laughs> Cincinnati or – no, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not saying that it's wrong necessarily, but that's – Well, they were just also playing Mac, to a spread. I mean, yeah. yeah, if you're in the MAC or Cincinnati, what, what do you do? You take a guy who's a pretty good wide receiver prospect or something like that, and, and you think, hey, he may not be a great receiver prospect, but if he has the frame to put on weight, he could be a, a good tight end. I get what, what they were doing, and it fit their offense. I mean, you, 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 you look at what the sort of – I don't want to say the blueprint, but you look at what Alabama had at tight end. Uh, obviously, they had O.J. Howard. I don't think he was the biggest guy, but he was obviously pretty strong. And then the guys they had this past year, uh, I think we're in the 245, 250 range. I think USC's guys uh, – Going, you know, looking at the, what Tyson Helton's coming from, I think they were both two thirty-five, two forty. They threw it to the tight end a little bit out there. They did. Um, and you look at what Tennessee has coming back. Eli Wolf's listed at two twenty-four. Austin Pope's listed at two thirty. But those guys were pretty much wide receivers in high school. James Brown was a quarterback in high school. He's listed at two twenty-two. So you don't have a lot of also great singer dancer. Yes, Godfather of Soul of the Soul variety. Uh, Godfather of Soul, James Brown. Uh, and so, other than Bumpus, you don't have any big bodies. And so that that. We were, t- we were wondering about what big bodies they might move from defensive line to offensive line. Well, maybe we should have thought about who they might move t- to tight end. So Blakely's one of those guys, like you said, I, we have no idea if he can catch the ball. Um, but he's 6'2", he's 254. Uh, you would think he could be a blocking asset potentially, but mm-hmm. we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, uh, Tyler Bird is moving to, to the secondary. We don't, they don't know where just yet. I don't know if it's to shoe in that he's a safety or a corner. Which is probably not a good sign, maybe at this point for Tyler. Uh, maybe a nickel then, if you don't know. That's the star it's, position, something like I that. I mean, you would think that at this, at some point, he would have set himself apart. Let's say he's good enough. He's good enough to play this. Tyler, it seems like Bird. I, I was never convinced that his issues were entirely due to the coaching staff. No, they're not. I think he, there's some I, I maturity think, that needs yeah, to happen. There. I think he needs to get his stuff together, more or less. Oh, there's no doubt his about own. that. He's, he's got to get his own house in order before he starts thinking of taking over a cornerback or safety wherever they decide to play. Yeah, because they – I mean, it ought to be a shot across his bow that they already know that they're going to give Fields and me a look at cornerback and they don't know exactly what they're going to do with Bird back there. That should – I don't want to say that's a subtle dig, but that, 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 that's a message to him, I think, that, listen, you, you need to go out there and prove who, what you can do because nobody knows right now. He's such a great athlete. We all know that. But you got to step up there and do it. And they are we've, – we've danced around this a little bit already, but feels to me going to cornerback, giving some much, much-needed depth there. Uh, so maybe he can stick there. I mean, athleticism and and physicality are not feels to me's problem. So I think he's always been kind of a, a workout warrior. He's a guy who really loves being in the weight room, puts up really good numbers. He's much bigger than you think he is. He's one of those guys that you stand next to him and you realize, hey, he's a lot bigger than I thought he was. And, and if he can take – that size he has now and be quick enough with the hip movement and understand how to cover people and play cornerback, if he can has the mental toughness and the physical skills to do that, that's a big plus. Yeah, I, I look at this move. Um, I, I think, again, uh, some people were kind of puzzled by it, and a lot of people on our on our message board, the checkerboard, we got a lot of questions about Phil's and me. And some people are saying, well, why did you, I, I liked him at running back. I look at it this way. Phil's and me, he's, five, he's listed at 5'11", 183, and he's pretty chiseled. 
Yeah, big, and he, bigger and kid than you think. And he looks like he's got some pretty long arms. So mm-hmm. he looks like if he, if he was maybe a couple inches taller, he'd be prototypical, might might be what they would recruit at corner just in terms of the dimensions. Uh, so he's got long arms. He's really physical. Uh, I, well, I think he's more of a straight line runner than he is a guy in terms of him being a running back. He's more of a guy that's going to run downhill, hit the hole hard, and yeah. get in the open field, straight line speed. He's not a guy that you're going to throw a swing pass to. He's going to make three guys miss and take it to the house. He's not... He Correct. never struck me as an elus- as as an elusive, shifty kind of guy. No, I mean I, th- I think we got and a little so, bit spoiled watching Camara do what he does. Well, but, but but it's still I mean it's an impossible act to follow. But because that guy's a freak of nature. But yeah, and, and I think Fields and me is I think he's a physical. He was a physical runner. There were times last year where, you know, he put his head down and 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 you know grind out some tough yards, and you're saying that's that's pretty good. I didn't know he had that in him. How is that going to translate at cornerback? Well, I think he could be a press corner first of all because he's strong, he's got long arms, um, and so you got that he's a guy that maybe you can put up on the line, have him jam a receiver, maybe use that physical physicality uh, at the star position, potentially play yeah. him a little bit closer to the ball. But again, I think you kind of touched on a little bit is is how how shifty and how athletic and how quickly can he cut and, and how, change direction, how and things aware, like that. How aware will he be? Yeah, and I think uh, and I think I think Ryan pointed this out on our board too is that. I don't know how much he's ever played cornerback. So it's not like you're having to maybe, if you're moving him there, you're kind of just teaching him from scratch, which is a little bit different than taking a guy like Bird who has played there and maybe uh, – Developed some high school habits. Yeah, maybe has some you know technique habits that he, you're going to have to break him of. It feels to me you don't have that. You know, He's playing it for the first time. If you tell him how to do something, he's, he's not going to be – like his body's not going to be telling him to do it a different way from having done it before. Sort of like me on the dance floor, really. <laughs> maybe that's – well, I don't know if that's a good – I don't know if this is a good comparison. Uh, that that sort of seems. I I, have I to think get, Carlin could play cornerback. I, I I question your dancing ability. Oh, I que- I have listen. I spend a couple hours a day questioning, not just that, but sometimes those practices go so bad. I question my worth as a human being. Like, what am I providing to the human race here? There, there's times that I feel pretty pretty worthless about this. So, so those are the only three position changes that Pruitt told me about that were going to be from offense to defense. Now. In his mind, a defensive end going to outside linebacker, a.k.a. Daryl Taylor, guys like that, that's not, that's not a position change. No, you're still an edge guy. And um, that's, that's going to be the best way to maybe describe this defensive front now, especially the defensive line, is either you're going to be an edge guy or you're going to be an interior guy. And in, if you're an interior guy, you might play defensive end sometimes, but you're going to be lining up as a five technique. I learned this watching the NFL Combine. You got the three technique, which is the traditional four yeah. three D tackle, and yeah. you got a five technique, which is uh, I guess you'd line up somewhere between the guard and the tackle, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's the area where yeah. you'd be. I'm not yeah. sure about, but that that's the that's the number that they assign to it. But yeah, you're gonna have interior. Do you know how many guy? people that are listening to this podcast right now who are probably just almost running their car off the road in anger because here's what a five technique is. How do you not yeah. know that? Yeah, I, I still remember one time when I was my first year. Justin Wilcox explained to me all these. I was just we were just talking after a practice after interviews wrapped up. And yeah, he, he was good about that stuff. And he was like, he was like, he he was literally like taking a step down. Like, here's the guard. I'm in between. And so it, with this defense, you're going to have interior guys and you're going to have uh, edge guys. And so interior guys are going to be guys that might play defensive in in a three man front and inside and in four man fronts. Yeah, there's a lot of versatility so, to what they do in the front seven. And that's to say, and again, this is all part of a big long segue that. And plus, if a guy slides down from safety to star or to corner, i.e., a Theo Jackson potentially, um, yeah, 
that's not a that's not really a position change, quote unquote, that in 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 the, in the mind of no, the staff. No, because I mean, if you're if if you've if this, you've played some nickel and done some of that stuff, you've done some safety and corner stuff. Yeah, I think this staff, in in a lot of ways, is going to value versatility. They're going to value guys and they're going to recruit guys that they think can play multiple positions. That's why you've heard Pruitt say we that, want that fit the critical factor size wise. And yeah, you, that's why you've heard Pruitt say we want four by four linebackers that can play. Uh, they can play Mike. They can play Will. We can rush them off the edge if we want to. That's why all of Alabama's linebackers um, look like they're they're the same. The same. The, yes, the, the, and if you go by, it's amazing. Our story about this. If you go look at their heights and weights, they are so <laughs> identical. They are like religious. They are zealots about the size. So you're not going to have any more of this, like bringing in Daniel Batuli, who's two thirty five, and then bringing in a Shannon Reed, who at high school coming out of high school is two fifteen, that you hope to add to five ten pounds. Yeah, back. I don't think they're going to be signing any two hundred and ten pound linebackers. No, those guys are going to be safeties. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. The, to to do what they want to do, you got to have the size. Uh, First and foremost, and and you got to have the speed too. But uh, they are they're recruiting a different kind of guy, and that is a, a heck of a long segue. But and we don't have to spend forever on this, but we do need to talk about the Tennessee defense. We spent last week's football pod talking about the the offense. This week, a little more a little more focused on the defense. Uh, Patrick, where do you want to start? Do you want to start on the back end or the front end? Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start on the back end because we were just talking about Phil's and Bird, and obviously the cornerback situation is going to be one that a lot of people are going to be looking at after they didn't exactly close that great at that position um, in the signing class. I think it's safety. I think everyone – the big question there to me is are they going to get anything out of Mike Abernathy? Or I'm not – let me say that again. Big question for me at safety is can Nigel Warrior go from good to great and he kind of take the leap, become the next – Ronnie Harrison, Mika Fitzpatrick, so on and so forth that, that Pruitt had Alabama. And then in terms of the veteran guys, what are you going to get this year from Mike Abernathy and Todd Kelly? Because I think they're both better players than they've shown. Obviously, Kelly's got some off-the-field stuff that he needs to make sure that he's got worked out. Correct. Um, and, and his and, yeah, and his, his injuries, too. And his injury, too. And so um, he's a question. I don't know. How, I'm not sure how much, if at all, we'll see him this spring. But with Abernathy, I think he's a lot better player than he's shown at a lot of times, and I think there's times where I do too. I, I'm, I, I, you're I, a big fan. I, I, I like as a as a kid and as a football player. I think he's got a lot of ability. I do. And, and again, he's shown that he can do it, but he, you know, can he get back to that level? I think he just seemed to be. I don't know if he was thinking too much. I don't. I mean, he played a ton of snaps last year. Yeah, and and he was he was great. He was graded so highly the year before and his his the pro football focus the pff guys they're so what was his number in 2016 he was like in the low 80s or something a lot i mean i mean he he was he was really he was consistently one of the highest ranked guys on the defense and and that's why shoop and those guys loved him and then he was sub 50 this year i know that yeah he was bad he he went i mean i I don't think there's a way to be delicate about it his numbers were, were bad for a guy who played that many snaps just the way he graded out, and and I think there were some issues there. I think he was maybe a little bit dinged up, and I, and I think the 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 death of his father. They were very close, very close family. Uh, I think something. I, I don't think he would ever admit it, but I think that probably had an effect on him. He's a quiet guy, so he doesn't always, you know, he wouldn't necessarily say that. But there had to be some. There had to be some other stuff going on because you you don't go from where he was as a sophomore to where he was as a junior without some some problems there, there were some problems there yeah and you know again i think he's you go back to his first september of 2016 app state virginia tech those games he was really good yes and that's what he needs to get back to another guy malik gray we get a lot of questions about him 
think there were some maybe concerns about how athletic he was, yeah, he speed did, situation. So he, I'm interested he just to see seems, what he does. He seems stiff. Stiff was the word. You yeah. know, it's just because when you watch DBs, and, and again, I, I'm not an expert. I I, I talk to and again, he's going to get he, opinions, and so. he's he's doing reps next to Nigel Warrior, who like glides across the yeah, field. Yeah, I mean, effortlessly. Warrior. It's 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 like we talked about with Fields and me. You know, following Kamara's path. I mean, it's just hard to 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 replicate that kind of athleticism, but. I just, uh, you know, he, he, I don't know if you'd call it stiff or rigid. He just doesn't flip his hips the same. He's not as fluid. He's not as smooth. Now, maybe that's because he didn't know what he was doing as a freshman. Yeah. That's very possible. Uh, he wouldn't be the first freshman in the history of the world to do that. So I'm interested. I'm really interested to see what he looks like in the spring because he's a guy who was who was signed as a guy who just about it, a lot of people would have taken. He Florida was State, big, yeah, Charles big, Kelly. Big time. You know, Kelly wanted him down there at FSU, so maybe he sees something there. I think that the the kid's got some ability. I, I just I'm interested to see if he can look a little more smooth and fluid and natural this year. Yeah, and cornerback is going to be. I think it's going to be a free for all. I think they're going to work guys outside. I think they're going to work guys at star. Uh, was it was that a Ted Nugent reference there with a free for all? Maybe it was. <laughs> so you, I mean, Sean Schamberger, uh, Balaam Buchanan, Marco Osborne, uh, the two new guys, feels me and Bird. Uh, who else is back there? I don't. We'll see what what they do with Labruza. I think they might keep him at safety. I don't think he's going to be doing much this spring anyway. Come off his knee injury. That's another guy we didn't mention. Um, and then Theo Jackson, I think, is going to get some looks at corner. I too. think he I, has to almost. Yeah, and he's a guy. If you look at his frame, just kind of a pure football player, long arms, six foot one. About I think he's listed around one eighty. Mm-hmm. He looks like a guy. Again, he played everywhere in high school, so he's a really good athlete. Um, he was really in the mix for the punt return job last year, so. Um, that's a situation where maybe he can get into that this year too, but yeah, Bob Shoup just loves, loves, loves Theo Jackson. I remember him talking about yeah. that, that. Was I remember it, he it also was, loved uh, Colton Jumper and Mike Evans. No, no, but I was talking about like after <laughs> signing day, like when he was yeah. talking about, you know, I was just you know kind of but it, shooting it, the breeze with him one day, talking about a lot of different stuff, and and he was like, I'm telling you, he goes, I'm as excited about Theo as I am about anybody that we signed on that side of the ball. He goes, I think he could be a great, not good, but a great player. Yeah, and I, I think he could be a guy, again, that you get a look at nickel, potentially. Yeah, Maybe just, he's a versatile guy that can play any position. That's that's going to be um, – do you, do you that, remember, that's, that's what I'm interested to see where they where they put him. Do you remember when, when Dooley would talk about his defensive line? Sack of potatoes. And he said, yeah. I, that I, I don't want it to sound that that harsh, but when I think about Tennessee's situation at corner, I think sack of potatoes. I think they're just there's I a bunch. Have, of, there's a, yeah. no, but I mean there's a bunch of guys there. None of them have proved anything. Uh, few of them have the actual size that this staff would want ideally there. Uh, and it seems like you know, and if you do have that size that they want there, then they're guys who have moved over from different positions, and we don't know what, if anything, they'll be able to do at corner. I mean, for, for all I know, they go out there and they try to guard someone like uh, Marquez Callaway in practice and just get obliterated. I mean, we, we don't know. They, they've had workouts, seven-on-seven seven stuff, throwing the ball around in the complex. They've not been moved there for no reason. They've shown they can do something. So, uh, But in, in pads, when it matters, reading the offense, reacting – I just keep thinking sack of potatoes because until proven otherwise, that's kind of what it feels like. Well, yeah, and you keep in mind that none of these guys played a whole lot last year. I mean, they, yeah. they, the the corner snaps were dominated by four guys, Galden, Mosley, Martin, and Shaq Wiggins. Uh, I think 
uh, I think combined, none of those guys, none of the other, none of the returning guys combined played as many snaps as any of those four guys. So you're you're losing about ninety percent of the snaps you had at corner last year in your, in your three corner spots. So yeah, losing losing. Buchanan has started a game, but he was really rough his freshman year. You wonder again. He's got NFL bloodlines. His dad played in the NFL for a yeah. while. So you've got some bloodlines there. I think Schamberger can be exactly what they want in this defense. I, I, I he's think the Shoup, guy to me who yeah. stands out a little bit. Shoop said that he was his best press cover corner, and of course they didn't. You know they didn't play a lot of press. <laughs> last but when year. they did, but, he got up there and gave yeah. Calvin Ridley some problems. A yeah, little and, bit. and that's what that's what this staff's going to do. They're going to want to play in your face on the perimeter, and so that's why I think and he Pruitt, could, and Pruitt he recruited could, him. That's yeah, exactly, and that's why I think he could he could translate well. We'll have to see what the new guys do. I think Theo Jackson's a guy. You got some. You got some. You're trying to keep it optimistic there. That's what you're trying to do. So, um, yeah, it's a. They got losing they got, Golden just hurts. It just hurts them. There's no. Yeah. There's no polite way to put it. It really, really hurts them. Yeah, and I don't. Maybe there's a situation. Well, I don't know. I don't. Mike Abernathy played some nickel. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's quick enough to play nickel. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a corner very early in his Tennessee career. Some people thought yeah. he could play corner at this level. So, but yeah, I'd, I'd say the the guy. The guys I'm interested most to see, obviously everybody wants to know what happens to Bird, but Theo Jackson and, and Schamberger are two guys that I think could have pretty good springs. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some ability there. I mean, there's a lot of questions, though, and that's that's going to be an issue. Where there's fewer questions, still some questions, but I think the situation at, at linebacker, if everybody will stay healthy, I think it could be okay. It may not be great. I think you could be – but if you're rolling in that 3-4, and I know that they may not play a ton of 3-4, but – if you're rolling in something like a 3-4 and you can put Kirkland and Matuli on the field together, you've got some pretty good thump there and some smart guys and some guys who can who can do some things. That gives you a pretty nice base, I think, to start with. Yeah, I think you could make it a case that, that linebacker might be the best position on the team. Yeah, you I can mean, make that argument. I had a good year last year, too. I don't, I'm not sure exactly where he fits necessarily. And what's going to be interesting to me is if they I do. love Sapp as a football player. Yeah. I just I don't know how he fits in this defense, which is a shame because I mean a football player is a full football player. He's going to find a way to uh, make plays uh, for you. I, I think they again. You're you're looking at versatility, and you're going to want to see who can play every down and who can play all the positions, and not necessarily that Jack position, but the the Mike Will and Sam. If you're going to want guys that can stay on the field first, second, and third downs, you're not going to want to have to necessarily bring in a guy off the field to play third down. So. I think we almost need to view Sap as sort of a same. He's not an inside or outside linebacker. He's the same position. He's the same as Kirkland and Batuli and even Will Ignatz. And maybe too. he's put on weight. We'll see. Yeah, I mean he's he's very chiseled. That's for sure. He doesn't look, seem to have a lot of body fat there. Uh, and, and he's such a he's a, he's a he's a good kid. He works hard. He's a smart kid. The, 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 he'll find a way. Yeah, and I think you know I think Batuli can play in space. Um, again, he made a pretty athletic play against Alabama last yeah. year. That was a good play at space where he, he sure did. He, he did that a couple of times where I think he got uh, got his hands on the ball that was being thrown over his head. So, uh, I both he if, if Kirkland I think is the big question because if Kirkland is fully healthy and looking like twenty fifteen end of twenty fifteen Darren Kirkland, then you got a guy that can handle a lot of the communication. Yes, uh, that's going to be smart. That's going to know where everybody needs to be. And does gonna, does and that, not does not have MAs. He just doesn't do and, MAs. And, he, and, he's usually where he needs to be. And, and and a guy that knows where everybody else is supposed to be can't be undervalued. Can't be undervalued, especially when you've got a new system. So everybody's learning this new defense, and so um, if he's in a situation where he can handle that, then you let Batuli go play football, or you let Sap go play football. Where, what's interesting to me is what are they going to do when they go to nickel? 
Because well, one of those yeah. three guys might not be on the field. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's the, the way it goes is that the full-time Mike stays out there and then the Sam kind of goes out in it, terms – and they bring in a – and they bring in a nickel for that situation. But, you know, if Kirkland can't or, or, or struggles, you know, I mean, you and, know, and at that point, if somebody gets hurt, I mean, you're going down to Ignat, which, again, we'll see what he his situation is like. Um, still maybe a little small for what they want at that position, but he, he can put on some weight. And, you know, can someone like a uh, – can some? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to Dylan Bates. Don't say Dylan Bates. I'm, I'm not. I ha- we have to mention his name. <laughs> we have to mention his name. And maybe a new system comes in, a new new staff, and something the light bulb comes on for him because he can run. I mean, they did the forty was it a year or two ago? And I think his time was faster than Todd Kelly's. The guy can run. It's just there's something. I don't know if it's he got in for one play against Georgia Tech last year, and it was him with Marshall one on one, and Marshall made him look silly. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Now there's a chance that maybe and then, then Batuli was right back on the field for one of his ninety five snaps. Yeah, I mean the guy looks like a million bucks. Maybe let's see. Maybe he can have a. Maybe he can have a decent spring. Maybe he can do some things. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, Shannon Reed on the outside is a guy who is just hard to kind of peg size-wise there. Salon Page, that. too, yeah. Salon Page, also 6'2", 207 the, is what he was listed at. The thing with Kirkland to me – I think he's bigger than that, but not much. The thing with Kirkland to me is his position has changed since he's been battling his injuries. Going into 2015 or twenty or going into 2016 in these past two years, Kirkland was always, the, like, the one guy. Like, can't lose Kirkland yeah, because of what was behind him. Now, Colton Jumper played better than a lot of people gave him credit for playing, but there was a drop off there. Let's just be honest. Yes, there was. There was a drop off there, and you can last year though you can look at the numbers and see it pretty clearly. Last year though, there was less of a drop off because Batuli came on. Yeah, and and so you, now you're in a situation where if you're Kirkland, yeah, you were good two years ago, but you got to earn your spot back. Like, oh, there's no question. You, he has you, to earn you, it. You, it's a new staff. It's a new defense. Everybody's starting from the same spot. And he's missed enough football the and past he, couple of years. Yeah, where. And, you, and you wonder how much rust he's going to have having not played all of last year. You wonder if he's, you know, how close to 100% is he going to be? Uh, and so, I mean, it's a different situation for him. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, he was a guy you can't lose. Now it's like he's going to have to earn. Like he's going to have to show that he's a better, not, you know, he might have to show he's a better football player than Daniel Batuli to to play as many snaps as he otherwise might. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you and I have... And Batuli is... He proved last year he's a pretty good player, and if you let the staff have him for a whole offseason, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from there. Yeah, I mean, like, if you and I got a new editor tomorrow, we would have to prove what we could do for that guy. They wouldn't just look at what you've done before. I mean, you got to... You got to go prove it, but I I think there we've talked about this. We don't need to touch on it much, but the, the outside guys they're a tough fit size wise. We don't know exactly. Yeah, no idea what they're how gonna do those that's guys. gonna. I mean, they're again maybe when they play nickel they can use those guys more, uh, or maybe they're just gonna tell those guys, hey, you need to get bigger. Maybe they're special teams guys. You know, I mean, maybe maybe they say, listen, until you get bigger, you're a specialist. I mean, you gotta you're gonna have to to do what we do. You're gonna need to either get bigger or some guys are gonna have to get hurt. And and I think I think Pruitt will be honest with some of those guys saying, listen. You're not big enough. You need to be bigger. We're going to have to fix that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be running guys off left and right because I don't think with they the roster the, the way it is, they don't. They don't have the numbers to do that. But I think they will be honest. Uh, are we on the defensive line now? I feel like this needs to be like a game of. Well, we probably we ought, we ought to mention the the edge guys. I mean, they're not. Well, are, I, are they? Are they? Are they linebackers? Are I'm they thinking ends? the whole defensive front. Like we just name guys and we say, are they inside, outside? How are they going to translate? Another linebacker we didn't mention was Austin Smith. I'm surprised. Maybe no, I, he, maybe I he's more of an outside that's edge why, guy. That's why. That's, I, that's why I was transitioning. I didn't know where because he's still listed as both on the roster. <laughs> and, and again, Austin Smith. When you talk about dudes, what who is like, he? When you when you talk about dudes who you look at him getting off the bus or you look at him in uniform and practice and you go, man, I want like a team full of those guys. 
You know, he's just a good-looking athlete. And uh, he's a guy who, when he gets it between the ears and he knows what he's doing, he's good. He's just – they got to – you know, he's got to pick this thing up. He, you know, some guys just naturally pick up football really quickly, uh, and some guys need a, need a little bit more time, and he's been a guy who's needed time. And he's also battled injuries. So, um, But he's a guy who I don't know if they play him as an edge guy or I don't know if they play him as a inside linebacker type. I don't know what they're going to do with him yet. We're, we're going to have to wait and see. But, I mean, he's got the size, 6'3", 240-ish, where he can – he can do any of those things. He's got to stay healthy. That's the main thing. Got to stay healthy, and he's got to pick up what they're doing. So we'll mention him as the transition guy, and then we'll go to the other, I guess, transition Edge guys. guys. Edge guys. Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor. Yeah. They're going to whoop something. Uh, Jordan Allen, new guy. Uh, I think they're really excited about him. I think they should be. I think he's a, he's a uh, good-looking athlete. Uh, Chris Rump said back in February that Allen had put on about 15 pounds in about a month. It was about 232. Now, he may need to keep adding weight. Welcome to the SEC, son. You get yes. the nice facilities. You get the, 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 the nutrition. Meat, yep. You know, they're going to – they're the gonna, deer antler spray. Yeah. They're, Just kidding. They're, they're going to calculate whatever it is that needs to be in your smoothie, and you're going to have it, and you're going to like it. And uh, you're, you might be getting up in the morning at, at 3 o'clock and, and putting away a couple of peanut, peanut butter and jellies and then going back to sleep and then getting up a couple hours later and putting down a couple more. They're going to do whatever they need to do to get you where they need to get you. But, but he's – um, they've got some edge guys, I think, who who are intriguing. DeAndre Johnson, another guy. Prospects, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Thaxton. Johnson, uh, Ryan Thaxton is a kid who looks like a million bucks. We'll see if he translates uh, into the new defense well. But they they've got some bodies and athletes out there on the edge that could be pretty pretty decent players. It's I think def- I think they're they're not in great shape there, but I don't know that they're in terrible shape there. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse uh, as long as Kongbo stays inside. <laughs> Son, gonna, you, son, keep your hand in the ground. We're going to get to him in a minute. But, yeah, Taylor's a guy I think he needs to um, – he wasn't overwhelming as a pass rusher last year. I'm not sure if he's a better speed guy or a power guy. Or if he just – it didn't seem like he had a – A go-to move. Yeah, or even even multiple moves like we saw. And, again, we were spoiled by seeing Derek Barnett do all the things that he did. So as soon as number nine dipped his shoulder, the quarterback yeah. was going to get hit. Yeah, and so I mean, he did that to NFL tackles. So, uh, but again, you're looking at some of these guys, and you're looking at a guy like Taylor. You're looking at a guy like Sapp, Batuli. All these guys showed a lot of promise in their first year. Now you want to see what they do with it now, and you have to kind of take that into consideration. Where like this was the first time they were playing a lot, and they were Correct. playing at a high level, and they were thrust into situations where they had to, you know, they needed Daniel Batuli to go make twenty whatever odd tackles against Georgia Tech. They needed him to make, you know, they needed staff to make 10 tackles a game in, in a handful of games because that's where they were on defense. So, uh, again, Taylor's a guy. I think Taylor and Allen are probably going to be your top two guys there. I'm interested to see what they do with Kyle Phillips because I'm not sure that he's a lock to be that edge outside linebacker hybrid guy. I think yeah, he I could I be. Yeah, I don't know that I see that either for I him. Think I think he, he could be a DN in the 3-4. The closer that. Because uh, he's played inside before. Yeah, the closer that Phillips and Kongbo move to the middle of the line of scrimmage, the more I like them as players. I don't yeah. know that they have that explosive yeah. edge. And, and and Phillips, I don't know if it's the injuries or, or what it's been, but I just I think he's a solid player. I think there's – I mean, he's a guy who any SEC team would be happy to have. Um, but I, I think that I like him and Kongbo more when they're closer and, to the to the ball. And probably Matthew Butler, too, is one of those guys that could – if you needed to kick I out do, to I fourth. do like him, though. I think those are three guys that are – for sure, um, maybe three, four DEs that maybe go outside. 
in, in four three, depending on you know what the situation. Is. Yeah, I, I, I if like you're more. gonna go, if you're gonna go nickel, unless you're doing that a lot on first and second down, you're you're if you're in third down nickel, you're probably putting your four best pass rushers on the field. Yeah, I mean, and and we don't about, know who that is. Yeah, Butler's like six four two seventy five, and that, that, yeah. it doesn't take a lot of work to make that six four three hundred if you need to. So, so you, you got you're gonna have some guys that are gonna be three four DNs that will either stay inside if they go four down or kick outside. And so I think Phillips is probably a guy that might kick outside, but not necessarily. I don't know that it's a given. Butler's a guy that might kick outside. Don't know that it's a given. Combo's a guy that, as you mentioned, should stay inside. Uh, Son, keep your hand on the ground. Kevon Bennett, I'm not sure if he kicks inside or outside. I think he's definitely a 3-4 DE, but he's listed at 275. I think he's bigger than that, probably. I think he's gotten a little bigger. Um, So I think he's probably probably a guy that ends up kicking inside. Um, I... I would say the two two of the most interesting guys I'm looking forward to this spring are obviously I want to see how Garantano handles everything. But I'm interested to see what Shy Tuttle does because this is the first time in three years that he's actually going to go through a spring. Yes. And this is the you, you think about his offseasons the past two years. It's been all about recovery. Is he going to play again? When's he going to be ready? All can, this stuff. Can, can they get this leg and this knee strong enough to play? Yes. And now it's going to be, well, he's reasonably healthy. Now, I don't know that you're going to go out and play him 100 snaps every practice. I think no. you might need to be a little bit careful with him. But I'm interested to see what he does with an offseason where he can just focus on football and be getting better as a player. That should make him – that should be the best – I don't want to say the best bet. That should that should give him a legitimate Sh- chance to get back to what he Shy can T- be. Shai Tuttle is a damn good football player. And, yes. and, and he's a guy who, when they had him and McKenzie, they were much more convinced about the future of Tuttle at that position thinking that if he could just find a way to be healthy, that he was almost a can't miss. They just, they were really, the previous staff was really, really high on Tuttle's upside. And it's just, it's a shame he had to go everything he's, he's gone through, but you know what? Sometimes that, that can make you a better person. It can make you a tougher person and it can give you perspective on things that helps you. And when you're having a bad day, when you're out there at practice and you're thinking, man, I just, I'm tired. I don't want to do this today. A guy like Tuttle is probably not going to be like that very often because he's happy to be out there after everything he's been through to get back on the field. And he, he's a dynamic guy. He can play inside. Uh, he obviously does play inside, but he's got some – he's a much better athlete than he looks like he is. He moves. It's kind of deceptive when you watch him move, how quick he can be. And when his pad level's right and his motor's running, he's a good football player. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, again, to where they're going to have – Country where strong. Where they're going to play him. I think they have to play him at nose guard now because McKenzie's gone. I, yeah, think I, they think have so. to, I think there was a situation – uh, was it you that said he might have played under 300 a little bit last year? Oh, he, def- he definitely did. So, I mean, he's a guy that year. you could have, you know, shaved off maybe five more pounds, put him at 295, played him at DE, sl- shifted him inside um, for, for four down looks. But now I think with McKenzie gone, I think you almost have to play him at nose. What's interesting to me is I think uh, I think Deron, Plain, Deron Payne played a little bit of nose or played a little bit closer to the center. Mm-hmm. Ma- he did. At Alabama. And both those guys are listed – Officially, I don't know, whatever, at the same dimension, 6'2", 308. Yeah, no, so, the, Bama did not have a, a defensive lineman. They had one defensive lineman who weighed more than 310 pounds, I think, last yeah, year. That's so all they had. They, there's not, they've they've you, changed. You don't have to be a 335-pound guy to play nose tackle anymore. No, but they, no more but, they, yeah. but, but they do have one of those at Tennessee still, and he will be the guy who uh, is going to need to have a good spring too. We'll see what's going on with Eric Crosby this, He's, this spring. Brady Hoke said in November he was down at 310. I good for him if so. I, yeah, he, he, he showed he, up in the three forties. He's a big, he's a big dude. He's, he's a big dude. It, that was uh, what they call him. What was it that uh, when uh, Roy Williams, I think it was, what was his name, the the safety, 
He was a great player at Oklahoma, and then he shows up at uh, to play for the for Parcells in the NFL. And Parcells called him Biscuit because he was like a biscuit away from two forty. <laughs> Or basically, and yeah. he was like, "Son, you need to get a little smaller to play safety." You know, I, you know, Crosby was a guy who had to do some work, and then, and then behind him, uh, you got a walk on uh, from Alabama named Maurice Smith, who can play a little bit on the. Nose. We haven't mentioned Alexis Johnson either. No, he, he's 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 probably banging right there with Crosby for that spot. I would yeah. think for for two nose. I think he's a, a you know big three hundred pound guy that they'll probably have to play inside. Maybe knows. They don't really have much choice. I think they probably yeah. need to. So, I mean, he's a guy who can play. I mean, I don't know that he's ever going to live up to the billing. That he came in with because he he was supposed to be such a great player, but uh, and he's been through some some issues and that's that's set him back a little bit. Some off the field stuff certainly, um, but I think if he's out there, he's a guy who did improve a little bit toward the end of last season, and they're going to need. Him. I mean, sometimes you know a guy his senior year, you know the light bulb just kind of comes on. Reclamation projects is what they have to be to this new staff. Well, because. The guy that we haven't mentioned, and, and, and you knew you knew that I wasn't going to go an entire defensive podcast without mentioning the one and the only. The one who was born in the darkness? He was born in the darkness. The one who might need to move to offensive line if they need some help? Paul Bain. He was born in the darkness. That, that's him. I, I think, you know what? He's got more blocked field goals than a lot of guys have in their careers. Yeah. You know? He, 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 he got up. Not really. It could just kind of save Tennessee season. Yeah, he well, did. No, he didn't. Well, he's <laughs> he saved it from going worse, even worse. Worse? How could it get any worse? Look uh, around you, Helen. We're at the threshold of hell. That 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 it could have been worse. You lose to Tech. You're you're three and nine. I mean, you know, of course, you know, or it could be some bizarre universe where Tennessee loses that first game, and that's the wake up call everybody needs, and then yeah, they go and a, they're really no. good. There was no there's no wake up call for that staff. Wow, you're you're not you're not butterfly effect much, are you? Did you know that Paul Bain tied for fifth in the SEC and blocked kicks last year? Where, where was he nationally? <laughs> I don't know how many guys blocked multiple kicks. Well, I mean, we can find that information probably, can't we? Uh, there were twenty six guys that blocked multiple kicks last year. So he's twenty seventh nationally. Out of all the field goal blockers in all the land, Paul Bain was twenty seventh. Think about it, Tennessee. Write it down. Think about it, well, Patrick. What do you think about this this defense overall? Before we before we get out of here, we, we've we've gone on for for a while, but this is an important topic. Uh, th- this, I, I think, it's pretty clear looking at this defense that it is going to have to be good and it's going to have to carry this offense because I think this offense is going to have some major growing pains. So this defense, it. it it has to mature faster than the offense does, and it has to lead this team, and I think it has to be pretty good or this team won't have a chance at a ball game. I, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to coaching. I know that sounds odd, but, like, uh, I mean, their defense in 2015, you know, we, we've seen coordinators come in at Tennessee, and some of them have done more with less. Yep. Justin Wilcox, I think, I think especially in 2011 – before he left, I think he squeezed. Dude, dude, dude worked a miracle with that. I think defense. he squeezed about every ounce that he could out of that defense. I think they were respectable. They weren't elite. They weren't locking everybody down. Um, but then you see they were good enough. But then you see Bob Shue come in, and he's supposed to be the second coming, and he's going to be the, what ten, you know. Everything got blamed on John Jancic. That's why they couldn't close games. Yada yada and, and yada. They're, they're bringing in a top dollar guy to take him over the top. Yeah, and it didn't pan out. Shue was a weird fit. He and Butch never really. 
I think we're on the same page. Manukas are completely different human beings. <laughs> yes, uh, because Bob talked to you like a normal person, while as because Bob um, was normal. <laughs> yeah, but his defense it just didn't pan out. I don't know why. Uh, was his defense too complicated? Never. I know they had a. Sh- I know they had a bunch of injuries. Nobody. I mean, and not just that. It was important guys. I mean, you're playing without Sutton for a while. You're playing without Reeves Maven for most of the season. Kirkland's hurt two years in a row. But there, still, there were just it, some it, guys it, that it, they just could not. McKenzie. Some guys they just could not tuttle. Some guys they could not afford but, to lose. Yeah, but at the same time, if I'm paying you seven figures to coordinate my defense, oh no, no question. You got to be better than historically bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And it's not like they were, especially at the end of that season, it's not like they were playing, you know, Tom Brady every weekend. I'm just going to – I'm, I'm going to chunk it down to uh, – so, uh, I'm going to ch- I'm gonna chunk it down to, to it's an odd fit because I don't think coaches oh, yeah. who have been great their whole careers at what they do just get to Knoxville or some other different place and then they start just popping stupid pills and then they can't do anything right. I think there, it was an odd fit. They and had it, some it, bad luck and it just didn't work out. And there were bigger – Issues in the program overall. And so looking at this staff, this is obviously you would expect this defensive staff to get the most out of this group because this is what this this is a pretty strong defensive staff. You got a defensive head coach. He's gonna be focused a lot on the secondary because that's what he does, that's what he is yeah. at his core. And so you'd expect him, you know, what do they get? There's there's a lot of guys on this defense. There's a lot of guys in the front seven that were big time recruits that haven't lived up to it. There are some guys on the front in the front seven that are going in their senior years. It's their last chance to prove that they can play this game beyond Tennessee, beyond in college. That and can so, be a huge motivation. And so, do you, you know, do they kind of hang their heads because, yeah, they may have that opportunity, but the team's probably going to struggle. You know, what are, you know, what are they able to do with some of these young young guys in the secondary? Can they make Nigel Warrior into the next, I don't want to say Eric Berry, because Eric Berry was generational, but I think Nigel can be. He could be just as good as any of these Alabama safeties that 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 have rolled through that Pruitt's coached. I agree. Um, I think he's I think he's that athletic if he can get it together and put it together, sort of mentally and maturity wise. And again, what do they you know what do they do with some of these guys that have shown some promise but are still kind of young and maybe you know that's the thing. This defense it, are they going to be more disruptive? That's another big question. They were bad. They've been bad under Shoop in terms of sacks, turnovers, yeah. tackles for a lot. Well, aside from Derek Barnett. <laughs> he was good at he it. He was pretty good at it. Um but one again could, one could say pretty decent. It might have a future in this game. But I mean I mean what do they you know what do they have last year? I think they were they were I think next to last in the league in sacks and tackles for loss. Um also not I very good at stopping opponents from scoring points. <laughs> Running the ball, they weren't very good. Not the pass defense could have been better. Yeah. The run defense left a little to be desired. Hey, their pass defense was ranked third in the country, which is the most misleading stats in the history of misleding stats yeah, because it, everybody ran for three hundred yeah, yards. Because why, why did you need to throw it if you <laughs> or, could? Or you scored set. You scored two touchdowns early in the game. You were winning. You didn't need to get all risky. Well, yeah, because it, Tennessee wasn't going to score. Do you know that you only need one hand to count how many passes Tennessee intercepted last year? Five. Yeah, if you five, you know, if you want to see what a pass defense is really like, if you go look at the difference in the yards allowed per game, and then go look at where the pass efficiency defense is. That that's where it's at. That that'll show you really what kind of pass defense you have. So so Tennessee was out there touting that it was top five nationally in a lot of these, you know, in passing yards per game. I was like, well, nobody had to throw. Yeah, but you played one option team, and then you played uh, Indiana State, who only knew how to throw. 
bubble screens and jet sweeps, yeah. and, and shovel you, passes. And you didn't have Cam Sutton taking an entire half of the field and making it a no-fly zone. I mean, you didn't have that, and it, it, it was different. That's going to leave a mark. And then you had Abernathy not playing well. Uh, Kelly was on one leg, basically. You know, they, they just they were hurt, and they were on fumes at the end of the year, and you could tell. And uh, But I, I think that can't happen again because if this defense, starting out the gate, I mean, West Virginia is going to light up the scoreboard if this defense isn't ready to go. This defense is going to have to be ready for an assault in that West Virginia game because that's how that's how the Mountaineers come at Because you. they have Will Greer and they also have a guy who had like 18 touchdown catches. Yeah, they are going to – they're going to sling it all over the place and they're going to go fast and, and they're going to go Ricky Bobby fast and you're, you're going to have to be ready. Fun fact, Tennessee only had five interceptions last year. Uh, Alabama's leading interception guy was uh, Mac Wilson. A linebacker at four, <laughs> who said that Jeremy Pruitt's like yes, like know, a father, f- football coaching god basically. So yeah, I mean he 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 was he was really high on him. But this defense without without I, can we agree? And, and if we don't, that's fine. But I, I don't I don't think this team can sniff a bowl game without this defense being good. I don't or think at least ha- decent. Yeah, I think they need to be decent. Um, they need to, and they may give up a lot of yards, but they need to be above average. They need to be not just average. They need to be a little bit better than average. And I think, again, I think they're going to have to be a defense that makes their hay on being good in the red zone. Ben, ben don't break. Ben, don't break, and they're going to have to be able to force turnovers because that's, I mean. That's yeah, if, 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 they're, if they're giving up a lot of 10, 12-play drives, that's going to sap the will out of that group. That's going to test the depth a lot. And that's also going I, I to the, keep the offense out of rhythm because your offense is on, the, is on the sideline. And that's where I think Pruitt's going to have to figure out, is he going to want to be as aggressive as he has been? and risk giving up big plays? Or, or is he going to have to kind of take risks because that's the only way they're, they're going to be disruptive and generate sacks and takeaways and, and get yeah, stops? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because they have to, you know, and, and Pruitt, if, you, if you've heard, if you've, if you've not heard me say this before, uh, you know, I'll say it again. I've heard from people that I trust that are, you know, in and around that Alabama football program, that Alabama football apparatus down there. <laughs> it's such a huge machine, but I've heard from 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 multiple people in and around that program that Pruitt is the most naturally aggressive person that they've had as a defensive coach in, in terms of the way that he likes to bring heat. He likes to bring heat more than Kirby does, and he likes to bring heat more than Saban does. He likes to put pressure on you. And last year, that was great for Alabama. They were having all these great numbers. At the end of the year, teams started figuring out their blitz packages, and Auburn – just torched them and Clemson had all that time to prepare for the bowl game a couple years ago and just just torched them now they had really good players but the point I'm trying to make here is that they did not torch Alabama in this year's playoffs they did not they did not (laughs) and they also didn't have the same quarterback but um, I'll say this I, I think Pruitt's default stance is to bring heat now does he have to do that or does he have to not do that because he can't risk giving up too many big plays because his offense can't keep pace? So that's where it, it, it it's a real kind of catch twenty two there, and they're going to have to figure out that formula because it's not a it's not a simple thing. Circling back to a little bit what we started talking about with uh, getting to talk to Peru a little bit last week, they're going to practice like Alabama did, and. What Alabama does, what Alabama did, and what Alabama does, and what Tennessee, what Brew wants to do at Tennessee is he wants to give everybody the same amount of reps, one, twos, threes, however, however deep you need to go. 
Uh, I don't know what Tennessee was doing in practice beforehand. There were uh, a, the, the, a lot of a, it was a lot of ones and then twos and then the threes basically just sat there and ship Gatorade or ran and, laps. Or and something. so it, it was not normal. And so they did that because of player development. And Pruitt, um, he was at Florida State. He said the year they won the national title, he said our ones, our twos were really our ones were elite. And that's you know, that's a Jalen Ramsey team, Jameis Winston. Yeah. But they would do practice, and they would, you know, he said their threes and fours were awful. But he said they kept giving those guys a lot of reps, and the reason was because they had four good quarterbacks on the roster. They had Jameis Winston that year, uh, John Franklin, yep, last chance you went to Auburn, uh, Jake Coker went to Alabama, did pretty well, uh, and then Sean McGuire was their yep. fourth string guy. He was like a redshirt freshman, and Pruitt remember he said he asked Jimbo Fisher. Well, why do we keep giving our fours this many reps? And he said, "I got to give McGuire these reps because he might be my quarterback." And I think at one point he was. Yeah. So I mean that that's why it's it's hinged it's hinged toward player development, and maybe that's going to be something that is welcome for some of these guys, some of these younger players that weren't necessarily maybe they were sipping Gatorade a lot last year. You do get you will get a chance to show what you can do, and the best because, player will play. And, and if you are not because there, there's he's not beholden to any of these guys, no. nothing that any arrangement that you have with the previous staff, any the way things were, Pruitt, I can. 110% guarantee you does not care. He doesn't care. And he shouldn't care because, frankly, the program was in such a bad spot last year that it's hard to put any It was toxic. The, yeah, it's hard to put any of the performance of any of these players entirely on them because everything – the program was in such a crappy spot. Agreed. So. Agreed. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. We went a while. We went a while. Yeah, well, you know, we had something important to talk about, Patrick. We had – you know, it's, it's – you know, it's 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 Tennessee, and that's Tennessee football, and that's important to these people. And we'll be back later in the week. Uh, Ramey and I will have at least one, at least one hoops podcast. We'll see if we can do more than that, but we'll definitely have that. And next week, guys, we will have uh, more football because Patrick, right around the corner, it's almost that time. It's pretty much here. Are you ready? Have you you spent you've spent this doing a little recruiting, you know, doing a little bit of uh, you know some off season team stuff, probably getting to sleep a little bit more. Are you ready to get back on that horse? Are you ready to go? Sure. We need you, buddy. Okay, I'm good to go. Sweet. And guys, if you didn't hear me before, please, please go donate money to East East Tennessee Children's Hospital for Dancing with the Stars. That's etch.com slash dwtks etch.com slash dwtks. We'll see you in a couple days, guys.